Hello and welcome to Enlightened Empaths, your community for the spiritually awakened. In this week's show, we're going to talk about the Archangels and how you can connect with them on a more deeper level to enhance your spiritual life. But before we get into all of that, we wanted to give you some history of the Archangels and what sages and mystics and writers have said about them throughout our history. Do you want me to start with kind of like a breakdown of the angels, Denise? That sounds great. Okay, so I was reading about how there's such a hierarchy to the angels. Most of that hierarchy we get from St. Thomas Aquinas. He said that there were nine orders of angels, and their ranking is determined by their closeness to God. So you have the seraphim, the cherubim, thrones, dominions, the virtues, the powers, principalities, the archangels, and the angels. And each of these nine orders are broken down into three houses. So the first house is the angel of contemplation. And this includes the seraphim, the cherubim, and the thrones. And they're concerned with the entire universe. And they don't really deal with us humans in a very direct way. Their focus is more on God and spreading the grace of God throughout the universe. So in this group, the angels of contemplation, you have the seraphim. They're described as having six wings, two of which cover their faces. They sit closest to God and are even mentioned twice in the Bible, in the book of Isaiah and the book of Revelations. You have the cherubim. Their job is to guard the light and the stars, and they're said to be keepers of wisdom and secrets. Ezekiel describes them as having four faces of a lion, an ox, an eagle, and a man. And, you know, Denise, I wondered if that's where we get the imagery on the world card in Tarot. Oh, that's a good point. Yeah. It's, the four elements, the four directions, and how the angelic realm isn't specific to just one religion. No, I think that's such an important point. Almost every single religion and culture throughout the world and throughout history has a mention of some type of angelic messenger helper. Right. And even the, the polytheistic uh, with the multiple gods, they had, you know, their, their belief was, yes, they're angels, but they didn't have wings. But they still were, a lot of their deities were referred to very similar to the angelic realm. So I think that's interesting when you say the four faces and the four animals. I do too. And, you know, a lot of people think that these angels are the old gods and that they were just turned into angels when Christianity became the major religion. Mm -hmm. So who knows? So the thrones, they handle divine laws. I kind of think of them like the Supreme Court. They are neutral and objective and kind. And oddly, though, they're described as wheels of light with eyes. So some prophets who have seen them say they're just spinning wheels of light with all these eyes that see everything. Now, the second grouping of angels is the angels of the cosmos. They work to maintain a unity between heaven and earth, and they're focused on holding the balance between good and evil. In this grouping, we have the dominions. They handle communication between God and the higher angels. They also handle the responsibilities of the angels from the lower houses. And it's unclear what they look like. Some say they can take any shape they choose. They're usually described as carrying an orb or a scepter to represent their authority. Their virtues, they work to channel the energy of God's love to the universe. 
So their job is to pass on the spiritual energy to those of us on earth. They're also in charge of miracles and blessings. In the Bible, it's, well, in the lore of the Bible, it was the virtues who escorted Jesus up to heaven. And then you have the powers in this group. They oversee the laws and are considered the guardians of peace, harmony, and order. They're also said to control the borders of heaven, and they manage the history of earth. Now, because of their job as border patrol agents, according to most legends, the fallen angels very often come from this order. They're said to resemble us, except they are perfect in form and have wings. And then we have finally the angels of earth, which are intricately involved in the daily lives of humans. They handle divine revelations, justice, and karmic balance. Like the powers, the angels of earth are said to look just like us, except they have wings. And in this grouping, you have the principalities, the archangels, and the guardian angels. So the principalities, they deal with political issues. And some of the principalities are said to be patrons of certain cities and countries. And so they handle all the goings-on of universal worldly matters. They also handle the assignments of the archangels and the angels. So the archangels, which is what we're primarily going to talk about today, their job is to carry out God's will and to help answer prayers. I think the most famous archangel, Denise, is Michael. Would, would you agree? I would. I want to ask one quick question about the whole hierarchy. So where would a personal guardian angel fit in on that? So the guardian angel is considered the one of the, um, how, the angels of the earth. So okay. they're in the grouping with the principalities, the archangels, and the guardian angels. And guardian angels exist within and around our world and are tasked with overseeing our day-to-day -day lives. So there is a guardian angel assigned to every person, every place, and every animal on earth. Well, and that's interesting because I've done readings and people say, well, do I have a guardian angel? And my understanding is everyone does. Yes, We all have that one. protective presence that... And some believe that, it, that this guardian follows us from lifetime to lifetime and knows, you know, so if you want to get into uh, Kashik records and, you know, past lives, all of the things that we talk about and delve into, that this, have, have you heard that as well? That yes. there's one assigned to us, to, it's more of a soul connection than a lifetime connection. Yes, and every single person has a guardian angel. People often ask me, did Hitler have a guardian angel? Yeah. We have a choice to listen to them or not, but they're there for us. We have to ask for their help. We have to seek out their intervention, but they are there for us. So thank you. Now back to Michael. <laughs> okay, so Michael, um, I think he's kind of like my favorite guard, um, archangel. He's mentioned both in the Bible and the Quran. His name is traditionally pronounced Mikael. So the L suffix, you'll notice... Almost every archangel has the E-L at the end of their name, and that's because that symbolizes their brightness, and it means shining one. The Israelites often called him Sabathiel, and the Persians called him Beshter. In Mesopotamia, he was called Mikael with a K. The Chaldeans worshipped him as a minor god. His name means who is as god, and he is considered the leader of the archangels and the guardian angels. God is often shown sending Michael down to act out decrees. He's often depicted holding the keys to the gates of heaven and the gates to hell, 
dangling from his belt. He's known often as the angel of repentance, the angel of mercy, of righteousness, sanctification, the ruler of the fourth heaven, the guardian of Jacob, conqueror of Satan, warrior of God, deliverer of the faithful, and slayer of the dragon. And he's considered the author of Psalm 85, so he even apparently wrote a section of the Bible. In art, we see him as a strong, powerful warrior with a silver armor, a round shield, and a huge sword. In Chaldean stories, his sword is almost five feet long. At the bottom of the sword is a round grave, a round globe engraved in the angelic language reading who is as God. His shield is said to be engraved with a prayer to God. And he's often depicted wearing a leather kilt studded with large emeralds hanging from each strap. He's also in charge of the seals of justice and is known to hold a scale designed to weigh our souls upon admittance to heaven. Which reminds me of the Egyptian story, you know, where they put your heart on a scale and a feather and whichever is lighter determines your entrance into their heaven. Stories abound that Michael cries over the death of a good person and his tears wash away their sins. Now, after the great war in heaven, Michael is said to have warned the people about the great flood or deluge. In the Dead Sea Scrolls, it says that at least 1,000 years after Satan fell, Another war broke out, but once again, Michael was victorious and leads them back to their prison. What's interesting to note is, from everything I've read, Denise, the great war in heaven with the fallen angels happened before they, we really were established as a civilization on earth. Now, the Epic of Gilgamesh, which is over 5,000 years old, also tells how a man was warned of the great flood by the god Enki. He was upset because his brother Enlil had decided to destroy their creation. And in the Vedic tradition, a fish tells the Indian king Manu about a coming flood. There's even an Aztec story about a couple who was warned of a great flood. So tales of this flood story can be found in almost every civilization dating well before the Bible. In the book of Revelations, Michael is shown battling Satan, where he is ultimately victorious and uses his keys to chain Satan for another thousand years. You see that number come up a lot, a thousand years. They, they must have thought it was a really long time back then. It is a really long time. Well, I think in the scheme of history, eh, not so much. Chaining up Satan for a thousand years, I don't know. So Michael is the angel that we call on for help in a lot of different areas. Do you want to talk about how people can call on him? I do. I also like to add that he's also mentioned in the Torah, the Bible, the Quran, and, and the Torah as well. And some folks will look at the translation as he was like God, which is the same as he was as God. Right. Um, but he, his main role is to promote courage, bravery, justice. I mean, he works to keep out, if, if you believe in this realm, and I, I'm going to just leave it ambiguous, is if you believe in evil spirits, he'll, he'll protect us from those. He'll, from anything that's trying to lead us away from our spiritual path. A lot of people who work in jobs that are in the caring of others or the protection of others will, will call in the presence of Archangel Michael. He's very, very significant. A lot of times in cord cutting exercises, people will ask Archangel Michael to come in with his sword and cut those cords. A lot of times people will see a, a royal blue or a very vivid color with him. Um, very, there's a strength. So if you're going on this as an empath or clairsentient, 
there's a very strong, powerful, like you want to square your shoulders when you feel this energy. Yeah, he has a has a definite strength to him. I call on Archangel Michael all the time. If I'm walking to my car in a parking garage late at night, I call on him. If I'm going to clear a home, I call on him. And I will often see a little orb of electric blue light, and I know that's him. I've had wonderful encounters with him that I've talked about way too many times on the Psychic Teaching Podcast. So I know a lot of people listen to both. I won't bore them. But he definitely is the real deal, and he will help you if you call on him for help. And don't worry about bothering him or how can he be here and there because angels can be in many, many, many different places and with hundreds of thousands of different people at the same time. Our physics can't really understand it, but there have been reports of humans being able to do that, like Padre Pio. So certainly archangels can do that. So never hesitate to call on him when you need courage, strength, or protection. He's the patron saint of police officers and firefighters. But the other thing, it's like the weather. It's equal across the board. You can call on Archangel Michael. It doesn't matter what your spiritual beliefs are, what your address is, who you know. It, this is compl- I love, love, love this because we can all have the same access. We can all have the same protection. We can all have that same connection if we choose. If and, we choose. That's the key. You have to ask for it. Right. So Gabriel is another pretty popular archangel. Gabriel's also the only other archangel besides Michael who's mentioned in both the Bible and the Quran. And his or her name means God is my strength. It's mm-hmm. pronounced Gabriel in Arabic and Jibril with a J in Islam. He serves as the messenger between God and us. In many cultures, Gabriel is depicted as a woman. And People don't know, you know, historians have wondered, was Gabriel a woman? Was Gabriel a man? Because Gabriel is often described as being mild-mannered, tolerant, and gentle, in contrast to Michael's brute strength. He's also known as the angel of birth, the angel of death, the angel of resurrection, of mercy, of revelation, incarnation, and consolation. And he's often written about as the ruler of the cherubim. Which is interesting, considering in this hierarchy I mentioned before, the cherubim are much higher than the archangels, which I think is just important to note. Even though St. Thomas Aquinas and others have broken these angels down into this hierarchy, I don't think there is a hierarchy in heaven. I think it's just a way to categorize. You know, I don't think it's like God's going, all right, you're being promoted. You're moving up the ranks. I don't, I don't think it's like that. I think they all get along. <laughs> He's most famously depicted with his horn, which is said to be almost four feet long. It's made of silver and can channel energy into sound. It has three interesting characteristics. Gabriel's horn can play enchanting music, lull people to sleep, and can channel energy into strength or destruction. In the Great War in Heaven, Gabriel's horn kept the fallen angels from the battlefield while Michael destroyed Lucifer. Now, there are stories today, you can Google them, where people hear a horn being played. I mean, if you listen to Coast to Coast or other metaphysical spiritual shows, you'll often hear stories of this where often before important historical things happen, there will be news stories of, you know, local residents calling the police saying they heard a weird horn sound. Some people Mm -hmm. think those strange booms that people here, at least in my area of the country, 
are connected to Gabriel's horn, warning us about something coming up. Now, in some stories, Gabriel holds a scythe. The Talmud describes this weapon as being ready since creation to harm the enemies of God. The iron blade is five feet long and has a wooden handle measuring seven feet. He's also, or she, is also said to be fluent in every language known to humanity. This includes the secret languages of Syriac and Chaldee, which were only known to prophets and priests of these religions. He's also said to have taught Joseph the 70 languages spoken at Babel, before the tower and all that. He appeared to the prophet Muhammad for 22 years, dictating the Quran to him. There is a story that he misspoke the word at some point during this time and was refused entrance to heaven for a period. Another angel, Dobiel, had taken his place and Gabriel was exiled for a time. He appeared to the prophet Daniel, explaining the meaning of a dream. He also told him about Alexander the Great, who would conquer the Persians, and this prophecy proved true in 331 BC. He announced the birth of the Messiah 500 years before it happened, and Gabriel appeared to Mother Mary to tell her she was pregnant with the Messiah. Gabriel is also in charge of the guff, pronounced G-U-P-H, so I hope I'm saying that right. It's the part of the heaven where unborn souls reside. He or she is in charge of choosing when souls will be born. And it's said he sends a sparrow to escort each soul to earth. He's also in charge of watching over the unborn souls while in utero until they are born. He's said to whisper the knowledge of heaven to them while they're still in the womb. And then he seals the secrets in the child by pressing his fingers through their lips, which is why we all have that soft indent between our mouth and our nose. Now, even though he's described as being gentle and kind, he does have a temper. He appeared to Zacharias and told him his wife would give birth to John the Baptist. And Zacharias said, you must be mistaken. My wife is too old and can't have children. Gabriel was so mad at Zacharias' disrespect that he made Zacharias mute until John the Baptist was born. There's a lot of stories of these archangels having tempers, which I find kind of interesting. When Jacob gave his 11th born son, Joseph, his beautiful multicolored coat, and Joseph's 10 older brothers got jealous and tore the coat off him, God sent Gabriel down to tend to Joseph, and Gabriel looked at the amulet around Joseph's neck and turned it into a beautiful garment. And it was Gabriel who was charged with destroying the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah. It's written that he killed everyone in his path, and that after the destruction, the Dead Sea spilled over the barren land so that no one would be able to exist on the cursed land again. There's also a story that in the beginning of our creation, God sent a group of angels called the Watchers, or the Gagori, to oversee us. These angels were instructed to teach us simple tasks and how to pray. The Watchers did this, but they also taught us forbidden things too. And this made God really mad. God denied these angels re-entrance into heaven. And these fallen angels had to stay on earth, where they decided to marry and have children whose offspring were called the Nephilim. This is all recorded in the book of Enoch, if you want to read more about it. According to the ancient writings, these Nephilim became giants who were consumed with hunting, killing, and destruction. God got even more mad, as Old Testament gods are wont to do, and he cast the fallen watchers into hell and sent Gabriel to kill all the Nephilim. He is said to have used trickery to get the Nephilim to kill each other. The giant Goliath killed by Daniel in the Bible is said to be the last of the Nephilim. 
Gabriel is also said to be the archangel who inspired Joan of Arc. In 1424, she began seeing Gabriel and many saints who inspired her to lead the French army against the English. When she was burned at the stake by the English, some witnesses claimed to have seen a white dove emerge from her chest that flew up to heaven, escorted by an angel who carried a long silver horn. And when the book of Revelation says the end days are coming, it's written that Gabriel will blow his silver horn and then the rapture will occur. And then all those faithful to God will no longer have any barriers to heaven and will live in harmony. So that's kind of an interesting picture, I think, of Gabriel as this really kind, gentle um, overseer of new unborn souls and messengers of Messiah's coming, and then at the same time tasked with so much murder and mayhem. So why would I call on Archangel Gabriel? A lot of people who work with children, because again, uh, Archangel Gabriel assists with conception, pregnancies, birth, well-being and happiness of children is important to him. He especially helps sensitive children, mentoring parents, teachers, and counselors. So very, very child-oriented. So if you're having some, you're looking for archangel protection or angelic protection for uh, your own child who may be highly sensitive or you're a teacher or you work with DHS, whatever that might be, he, he's kind of your guy to, to, to connect with. Also, if you're looking for some oomph to encourage your passion, so we'll give us the strength we, when we feel weak or emotional or vulnerable and helps, you know, a different kind of protection in the, of, of not to feel stronger in situations when we need it. So maybe if you're, you're having self-doubt or you're wearing yourself down, ask for that little nudge from Gabriel to step in and give you that, that strength that you need to keep going. Communication. Uh, a, a lot of times writers or speakers uh, very, very much about communication and finding ways to communicate with each other, especially if there's something that needs to be finalized, discussed, highly charged or emotions are involved. So maybe you're, you're just trying to decide how to address a topic with your partner or a dear friend or someone at work and you, need, you want backup. Gabriel might be the, the angel that you call in to say, please help me through this and help me find the right words to address this this situation. You know, I, I think that there are, there's always prayers, specific prayers to each archangel. And if you feel, you know, more drawn to do something that is, you can read or, or follow through. But I find personal when I'm dealing with angelic realm or that I, I tend to have my own prayers that I come up with or ask for my, it, it's a very personal connection. It doesn't feel and I don't want to say generic as a church prayer. That I don't mean that disrespectfully, but it's a different connection, and it feels it's a very heart personal. Prayer. Yeah. And actually, my my last dog, who I adored, who was a rescue, um, I named him after Archangel Gabriel, and he was a wonderful boy. So kind of fun. And I always call your new puppy Gabe as a result. Yeah. And I apologize for that. <laughs> Poor Toby. Okay. We don't take it personally, I promise. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think Gabriel could have been a woman? I, you know what I wonder is, now this is going to sound bizarre as hell, so please forgive me if I'm offending anyone. Could Archangel Gabriel be gender neutral? Yeah, why not? And, but for all of the folks who are coming in who have the duality, who are choosing they as a pronoun, who feel like they don't really... They identify as both, but could Gabriel be 
a protective angel for those folks that are trying to step into their power in light non-binary. Yeah, very, very well could be because you can't find any culture really who's definitive on the gender of, of Gabriel. There's so much on both sides. That's, that's a great point, Denise. Okay, so we have Raphael next, and he is the archangel of healers and healing. In Enoch, it says, He who presides over every suffering and every wound of the sons of man is the holy Raphael. There's an apocryphal book of Tobit, which is still in the Catholic Bible. So if you guys aren't Catholic... If, if you open up any Bible, it has to say the Joseph edition, and then you know it's a Catholic Bible. So King James is not a Catholic Bible. But in, in the Catholic Bible, we still include the Book of Tobit. It was kicked out from non-Catholic Bibles in 1901. I'm not really sure why. It's a great, great story, and it depicts Archangel Raphael. In the story, he meets Tobit's son, Tobiah, and escorts him from Medea to Nineveh. He introduces himself to Tobiah as Azarias, the son of the great Aeneas. On their journey, they encounter a devil named Osmodius, who's a commander of Satan's army. Raphael defeats him easily. The demon had been sent to harass Sarah, Tobias's fiance. While fishing, Raphael teaches Tobias how to use every part of the fish, not just for food, but also for medicinal purposes. At the end of their journey, you know, he safely delivers Tobias not only to Sarah so he can get married, but also to his father. And Raphael heals Tobit, the father, of his blindness with parts of the fish and then tells him, you know, hey, I'm really the Archangel Raphael. So it's a really cool story, and I, I wish it were still included in all Bibles. The Chaldeans called him Laviel. His name means God has healed. Enoch writes that he is one of four presences set out over all diseases and all wounds of the children of man. The Hebrew word raph, R-A-P-H-E, means doctor or healer. He's also called the region of the sun, chief of the order of virtues, governor of the south, guardian of the west, the angel of prayer, of love, of light, and healing. And he is said to be in charge of the second heaven. It's Raphael who guarded the tree of life in the Garden of Eden after Adam and Eve were kicked out. And he's also in charge of the guardian angels who report all the goings-on of humanity to him. Ancient writings say his left arm is tattooed with his name in angelic script, which reads, God has healed. He's not often described as a warrior and is said to hate fighting, but when necessary, he carries a nine-foot-long iron sword. He wears golden armor with a gilded leather kilt. His armor is said to be made of golden iron and is written or inscribed with the words, the shining one who heals. When God asked his angels for someone to remain on earth and watch over humans to teach them about being kind and civil, it was Raphael who volunteered. And when some of the others, who were his dear friends called the Watchers, joined him and became jealous of human rights to freedom and procreation and left their post and mated with women, Raphael is said to have been so saddened by the loss of his friends and he helped keep the other angels motivated and encouraged them to stay with their, with their true purpose. After watching Gabriel destroy many of the Watchers, Raphael pleaded for mercy for his former friends, but leniency was denied. 
Before the flood, Raphael gave Noah a book that contained knowledge about healing, medicine, and physics. This book also helped Noah build the ark and spread the knowledge of medicinal healing around the world. When King Solomon, the son of David and Bathsheba, asked God for help building his temple, God sent Raphael to Jerusalem to deliver a very special gift to Solomon. And this is such a cool story to read and research. It was a magical ring in the shape of a five-pointed star that had the ability to keep all the demons under Solomon's charge. Solomon sent out his armies to capture these demons and use them as slave labor to build his temple, which oddly became the holiest building in the world. It's a temple over whose lands we are still fighting today. All that holy land that we're fighting over and have been for over 2,000 years, that's where Solomon's temple was. The symbol on the ring became known as the Seal of Solomon, and the temple housed the Ark of the Covenant. But when the Babylonians destroyed the temple, the Ark and the ring were lost, and they have never been found even to this day. Of course, you know, there's legends that the Knights Templars found them and all of that, but according to historic fact, they have not been found. He's known for killing the first of the rebellious fallen angels in the Great War of Heaven, Leviathan. Her hatred had transformed her into a dragon-like serpent, and the fight occurred over the ocean waters. It's said that her dead form still lies at the bottom of the ocean. In Jerusalem, there's a pool of water in Bathsheba, or Bathsheba that is said to be visited by Raphael often. He blesses the water with his healing, and any unwell people who bathed in the waters are healed. He's also said to guide people through Sheol, the scary passage through the underworld that's often called the pit or hell. One story says he walked Abraham through this horrid path. It was said to be filled with blood for the demons to feed on and the putrid smelling steam emitting from the muck and debris. And Raphael ushered Abraham through this in order to show him what happens to people who go to hell. But in general, he is considered one of the kindest archangels and is focused on healing and redemption and renewal. His name can be, it's God who heals or God heals. And this can be healing physical, spiritual, emotional. A lot of people will pray to Raphael or ask for that presence of healing. But there's other things too, healing through bringing joy, through bringing happiness and laughter into the world so we can all see the light even at the, in the darkest of times. A lot of people equate an emerald green color So with, with Raphael. There can be a presence that comes through with thoughts or feelings or dreams. That's some of the healing that can happen as well. So many believe that when you get a spontaneous uh, dream that really shakes your world or something that feels like a message or an intuitive that Raphael is, is bringing that healing in for you so that you can put things to rest and move forward. Very, very much so. And what I love about this is laughter and joy and happiness are such key components to healing whether it's physical healing, mental healing, spiritual healing, when you can find joy, when you can find the humor, when you can raise your vibration, which we talked about in a previous show, that accelerates and supports healing on a cellular level and a spiritual level. So it makes sense to me that we would have an archangel that, whose purpose would be to, to work cooperatively with us to find that joy and in, in tandem with the healing. Yeah. Our next one to talk about is Uriel. And Denise, the information about him is so interesting. Like history reports that he's kind of a tough archangel. 
And I don't know who his new PR manager is, but he's gone through kind of a transformation with the angel renaissance that started in the 80s and is now considered like a really lovely, wonderful angel. But I'm going to talk about his history and then you can talk about more of what he's known for today. His name means the fire of God, and he's often described as the punisher for God's decrees. He's in charge of storms, lightning, hail, and fire, but he's also the angel in charge of magic, cosmic and spiritual knowledge, astrology, and alchemy. In the Apocalypse of St. Peter, it says, Uriel, the angel of God, will bring forth in order, according to their transgressions, the souls of those sinners. They will burn in their dwelling places in the everlasting fire, and after all of them are destroyed, they will be punished eternally. So that's not like a really happy portrayal of this archangel. He is also called the Angel of Repentance, the Archangel of Salvation, the Prince of Lights, the Angel of Vengeance, and the Angel of Thunder and Terror. He's been described as having fiery red hair to match his temperament, and he's considered one of the tallest angels and has been seen wearing copper chainmail and carrying a long bow and arrows. Other times it's said he carries a flaming sword. Uriel looks to people's actions, not their words, in determining their salvation. Now, while Raphael guards the tree of life, it's Uriel who guards the Garden of Eden. One story says that after Cain killed Abel, Uriel appeared to Adam and Eve to comfort them. He took Abel's body to the Garden of Eden and buried him under a plum tree. He let Adam and Eve visit the grave to bring flowers, but this is the only time they were allowed back in the garden. When Adam died years later, Uriel is said to appear again and brought Adam's body to the Garden of Eden, where he was buried next to his son. When the prophet Ezra asked God for help understanding his visions and dreams, God sent Uriel to help him, and he taught Ezra about the mystical Kabbalah. So if you have any interest in learning about mysticism or alchemy or the Kabbalah, Uriel is the one you want to pray to. He also visited Noah and warned him about the flood too, but he offered no assistance when Noah asked for it. It's written that Noah asked for help three times, and Uriel was like, no. Uriel thought God was already being too easy on the humans, and he thought the flood was long overdue. So very, very different from Raphael. He also helped lead Abraham and his people out of the hands of the Babylonians to the safety of Canaan. He and the angel Remiel guard the gates to hell. There's a long-told legend of a demon who tried to escape but was pinned to the gates by Uriel's arrows and then disemboweled, and Uriel left him there for a hundred days. When he hears Gabriel's horn, it's Uriel's job to destroy hell and cast everyone in it into the abyss. He will then collect all the souls and lead them to heaven to be prepared for the final judgment. You can ask Uriel to help you through a dark night of the soul because one of his jobs is to help us understand our spiritual purpose. He can help you progress further down your spiritual path to understand your truth. He can also help you lift and raise your vibrations. But I get the feeling, Denise, that he'll help you only if you're super worthy of the help. I don't know. Doesn't he sound kind of kind of tough? I don't know. I, I think that the archangels, they have the being of service down pat. They are there True. 100%. And it's unconditional service. Like for, for Uriel, it, it's about serving humanity, sharing the light of wisdom, illuminating the human soul. So when you just made the reference to getting through the dark night of the soul, that's a huge part of the Uriel, of Saint Uriel, some people say, or Archangel Uriel. 
uh, but that high energy. And a lot of times it's so uh, the color would be ruby red, which you know is interesting. Also, the root chakra. So I think that's kind of fun. Right. But about energy, vitality, how to connect. But this this is very much about you know when you if go to Uriel with a calm mind and an open heart, and you'll get an answer. He very much wants to help us lift our vibration with this healing energy. So if you're feeling fearful or rejected or abandoned, Uriel be, would be your, your archangel to really try to connect with. You know, I just did a lot of research for a show on my other podcast on Emanuel Swedenberg, who in the 1600s and early 1700s had many, many visions of angels and the angelic realm. And he says, as I thought about this a lot when I was researching all these archangels, so many of the old stories are about sinners and hell and the great war and all this negative stuff. And I was like, where is all this coming from? And Swedenberg says that in his visions, he talked to God and he talked to the archangels. And they said that God had to meet humanity in the days of the Old Testament where humanity was. And at that stage, humanity was at a consciousness of war and fighting. And so in order for them to listen and respect God, he had to appear as though he were a leader of an army. And that's why these archangels in the early legends and stories and, and Bible and Quran and Torah teachings are often depicted with weapons and fighting and so tough, because that's what the people of that day knew. And that the reason why God now appears to mystics and seers like Swedenborg is to help get the message across that as humanity evolves and grows and lightens, so does our understanding of this whole angelic realm. For Archangel Uriel, this is about transforming those lower energies into higher frequency vibrations. So if you're feeling trapped on the loop tape with a negative emotion, try to see that there's a spiritual lesson in there that will help transform our understanding and lift us up to this higher spiritual state. And that's when you call in Archangel Uriel from what I understand and what I've read and, and hopefully have experienced, it will help lift up your heart and mind to that higher vibrational level so that you can accept the lesson and move forward. But it's very much about transformation from the negative into a higher vibration and frequency. Okay, then we have Azrael. He's called the angel of death. His name means whom God helps on their way. He's also mentioned in the Book of Protection, which is often called the Buddhist Bible, as an angel to call on for protection against evil. Legend says he carries a black scythe inscribed with a quote from Exodus, and he shall pass over your door, and you shall not suffer the destroyer to come and smite thee. It was Azrael's task to slaughter the firstborn Egyptian sons in the tenth plague, as told in the Book of Exodus. He works to comfort the grieving, you can call on Azriel if you're going through loss or feeling alone. He also helps those who assist the dying, like nurses, doctors, social workers, and hospice workers. You can ask Azriel to help you receive the sign from your loved one in heaven that, that they're okay. So Azriel is in charge of dying, and he is said to help um, escort the souls out of their body and through the light up to heaven. So even though... He's often, in, in old Renaissance art especially, he's depicted as our symbol of death, you know, with like the black cloak and the scythe, but that's not really who he is. He, is. he is a guide as we move from this world to the next, and he works closely with those of us on earth who are going through the grief process. 
Yeah, it's a different it's a different energy. And if you've ever been in if you've ever been blessed to witness someone's passing, you may have felt this energy coming through with, with someone being escorted out, um, with with other folks who come to meet us, obviously. But I think Azrael also helps loved ones who are still on earth deal with their grief and processing the loss. So often ministers, spiritual teachers from all you know, belief systems and religions, spiritual counselors, grief counselors. This archangel is about helping with transitions and endings, not just those involving you know, loss and death. It could be the ending of a chapter in your life or a relationship can also help with uh, relationships, career, addictions, but helping us to navigate as much as we can through life's changes. Now, there's a lot of other archangels that at least I didn't do as much research on, like Chamuel and Jophiel. Do you want to mention any of those? Or Well, I think that there's such a plethora of information that, I mean, they're each... And some even say there are 15 archangels, and some say seven, and some say... So I think it depends, and there's some amazing resources. And if this, one thing to just to step away from this for a minute is if you're connecting. I don't think we've talked about how you can actually know. Am I talking to an angel? Like some, you've you've said it a couple times throughout this. Is ask, say out loud, ask directly the angels, the ones we've mentioned, or if there's something specific, if you put it into the computer. Archangel of this, there's something's going to pop up. Think about it mentally. A lot of, you know, everything is telepathic. We use our voice box, we use sign, we do whatever, but the mind connection or the, the mental connection, they're going to hear us. And it's and the, it very so important. This is about unconditional love. We talk about that here, but this truly, these, <laughs> I want to say these folks, this, this realm is there to support and help us and protect us and help us navigate this world a little easier. Write it out. Pour your heart out to the angels in a letter. If you're feeling alone and isolated, know that you can pour that out to them. You can visualize. Some people, when they connect with, like if I'm doing a reading and once in a blue moon, I'll have something angelic. It feels different. It feels lighter. It feels a different frequency. And I'll often get like a flash of color involved with that that I don't get if I'm connecting with 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 people or animals or, or other things that have passed, but affirm it. And I think a lot of this is believe that they're really there for you. Like believe it in your heart that you're not alone and you can ask for this help. You no, know, I've done a lot of research and reading about angels my whole life because I've been fascinated by them. And one of the things that's always bothered me, because I, I read at least three angel books a year and I'm, I always wonder, you know, there'll be stories of a, a woman driving on an icy road and she'll slide and just as she hits a tree, a, a man at all in white will appear out of nowhere and, and stop her car with one hand. And I always think, why her? And not, you know, my friend Michelle, who died in, in a similar manner when she was just 25. And one of the things that I have been told and, and I feel that is true is that we all have a blueprint, a life plan, a soul plan before we come to earth. And maybe for reasons we can't understand, dying in a tragic way or, or in, any, in any way is, is part of that plan. Anything that's not a part of that plan, angels can intercede without us asking. So if you're just driving down an icy road 
and some jackass decides to drive home drunk that night and it's not part of your plan or his plan. He's, he's using free will to just be an idiot and drive drunk and is about to hit you. Angels don't need your permission to intercede. They just need God's permission to intercede and stop that accident. But if that is part of your plan, for reasons I don't think our little brains can understand, angels can't intercede. Now, there are many, many, many things in our plan that are open to change and interpretation. And that is where you need to always remember to ask for angelic intervention. So I hope I'm explaining that right. Some people have had angelic experiences and they've been atheists. They've never prayed to an angel. They've never asked for an angel's help. And they've had something amazing and mystical happen to them. I believe and I have been told that is because that was part of their plan. Whereas other people might pray to an angel forever to stop an event from happening. And it still happens. Again, it's because it's part of their plan. But throughout your day, there are many things that can happen and not happen that are not part of your plan. If you're asking for that help all the time, it can change the course of your life. Do you know Mother Angelica? She's that, um, she started the Catholic TV channel. Mm-hmm. Okay, so it's she, yeah she, yeah, she does the rosary at like 9.30 every night. So she was raised with a single mom who did not really believe in anything at all. And one day when she was like nine or 10, she and her mom were crossing a busy city street and a man behind her pulled her back. Her and her mom both felt two hands grab their, their shirts and pull them off the street just as a car was about to hit them. And when they whipped around, nobody was there. The street was completely empty. So there were all these cars passing, but the sidewalk was empty of people. And she was told in her prayers that that was God's way of like kind of waking her up to, hey, there's something else here besides what you see with your normal eyes. And that changed her life and was one of the first callings she had. So sometimes they'll intercede without us asking to kind of wake us up to our true path. But there are other times when you can call on an angel's help and they will intercede and fight for you on your behalf if it's part of your plan. So there's there's a lot of, I don't know what how you want to say it, arrows and yields and uh, turnoffs on, on your path that you can choose to take or not take that affect your karma. And I think if we are constantly open to angelic protection and help, we will make better decisions and nothing is too big or too small so don't think oh i'm not going to bother them this is too little this doesn't matter it matters to you and that's what's important if it's something and the free will that they're not going to intercede unless you ask and one thing that you don't read but i try to make sure i always do when i do feel like i've been i always say thank you i really i i say thank you for getting me there safely or helping me avoid that accident or because there's this is they're here to help us they're here to reach out and protect all the things that we've talked about in the show but again the the law of free will you have to ask you know there's a beautiful story about an angel giving a, a person a tour of heaven and it's kind of depicted like this big i don't know palace in heaven and they're going through all the rooms and there's all these angels in this room and the person says what are those angels doing and he says oh they're answering prayers for family help and they go to another room what are those angels doing oh they're answering prayers for 
you know, health and healing. What are those people doing? Oh, they're answering financial prayer. And they get to this one room and it's completely empty. There's just nothing. There's just angels sitting there like twiddling their thumbs. And the person says to the angel, why are they just sitting there doing nothing? And he says, well, this is the room where they answer thanks of prayers of thanks. And nobody remembers to thank the angels. And that image just always makes me so sad. <laughs> okay, now before we wrap up, Denise, everyone who knows me knows I love my creepy stuff. So I have to finish with a discussion of one of the most famous archangels, Lucifer. I think a lot of people forget he was an archangel before the fall. He was known as Samael, which kind of creeps me out that it's so close to my name, but there you have it. His name was spelled S-A-M-M-A-E-L. Now, the name Lucifer means morning star or the bringer of light, which I find ironic given what we think of Lucifer. The name Samael means the venom of God. He was known as the viceroy of heaven. The fourth century writer Ambrosiaster wrote that Samael's place in heaven was almost equal to God's. That's how important and high up he was in heaven. The story says that Samuel wanted to be considered an equal to God, and so he raised a rebellion. There are other stories that say God did not give the angels free will. Angels are here to do God's will. And when God had created the angels and then he created humans, he was like, hmm, let's see what these, this creation will do with free will. And so there's a lot of stories that say when when Samuel saw that the humans had free will, he got angry and jealous. Like, why don't we have free will? So there's different versions of why he chose to rebel. But it's said that since his fall from grace, he's been called the Lord of the flies, hater of the light. Satan means enemy. In Hebrew, the word Satan means adversary. Now, St. Jerome believed that Samuel was assigned the role of Lucifer by God. Because God knew Samuel was the strongest archangel and could handle legions of people hating him. Because God knew that his task as the adversary was more important than being loved. And, you know, I researched this a little bit, Denise, and a lot of other theologians agree with this. That it's, you know how some people believe that Jesus asked Judas to betray him so that he could fulfill the prophecies? Some people actually believe that God asked Samuel to become Lucifer and that God explained to him, I created this world of duality. There has to be light and darkness. I'm in charge of the light. I need, you're just, you know, you're almost my equal. You're almost as strong as me. I need you to be in charge of the dark to keep this, this checks and balance in perpetual motion so that people can truly be tested and truly be challenged to grow and perfect their light. Isn't that a neat concept? That he's actually like not a bad dude, that he's doing God's will? Truly, though, you mentioned this. This is the one that makes people uncomfortable because there is so much darkness inherently and historically connected with this archangel, fallen or not. I mean, that personal, it's not anyone that I give credence to. Oh, no. But I do think it's it's just just as like from a historical point of view, not from a spiritual right. spiritual point of view. It's just fascinating to to look at, you know. I mean, the Gnostics believed that Lucifer was actually God, 
And that's why his name was the morning star and the bringer of light. And that the Old Testament God was actually what we would consider Lucifer. And that's why the Old Testament God was always smoting people and doing awful stuff. So it just I just think it's fun to play with that idea and think about it. A lot of people have said Lucifer is Prometheus because after Lucifer fell from heaven, he was um, given the power of fire. And Prometheus is the one who, in Greek myths, gave us the knowledge of fire and was punished by Zeus. I do always think it's weird that, you know, Lucifer taught us knowledge. He told Adam and Eve to eat from the tree of knowledge. I've always wondered, why would God be pissed off if we have knowledge? Isn't there, the, you know, the whole King of Babylon connection and that the king was yes. so arrogant that he thought himself equal to God. And that's how Isaiah called him Lucifer almost like as a mocking name for the king. So yes. there's, it's so fun to look at this from a historical perspective and kind of go down uh, out onto Fantasy Island and think about what it would have been like truly to be on the planet or in this realm or world or whatever with these presences, with this happening, with this. I mean, that's fascinating is all out. But also just the fact that we can, can it, it goes back again everything is frequency and vibration and we can choose what we connect to and what we don't. Yeah. And I don't even think the names are all that important. You know, I'll get a lot of emails saying every time I meditate, I see a purple light. What angel is that? I don't know that it really matters because the point is you are making that connection to a high vibration energy who's responding to you and linking in with your energy to help you. Right. So I love looking at the history of it. I love looking at how it's all broken down and the names and what they symbolize. And, but I, don't, I think on a personal heart-to-heart -heart connection, I think what really matters is asking for that intervention, seeking a deeper relationship, asking for intercession, and knowing that because of that law of free will, we have to ask for that help, but it will be there when we ask. Well, we hope this has given you all a lot to contemplate and think about. And at the very least, we hope it's reminded you to reach out to not only the archangels, but your own personal guardian angel. We're going to do a show in a couple of weeks on guardian angels, but we wanted to lay the foundation with a discussion of the archangels first. If you have a lovely story or a question you'd like to share about angels or archangels, don't forget you can always email us, enlightenedempaths at gmail.com, or you can message us on Facebook, Enlightened Empaths. Thanks, guys, for listening. We hope you have a wonderful, happy week filled with angelic experiences. As always, remember to show up, do great work, and share your light. Take care.